Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to Lockdown Law. My name is Ian. I'm your host. And today, lawyer and podcaster Ben Gold joins me. Ben hosts the very popular Lawyer Stories podcast. Ben, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Ian. Pleasure to be here. Nice to see you again. You've been shoveling a lot of snow lately? Yeah, man, we got a lot of snow. It's still dumping on us out there right now. I'm in uh, central Massachusetts, so we're getting it big time. Yeah, I was seeing it on the news today. It looks pretty gnarly. Yeah. (laughs) I hate to rub it in, but it's a beautiful day in Northern California. Fantastic. What's the temperature out there? I think it's like mid-60s. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I was just in Palm Springs last week, and it was like 81. And you could still see snow on the mountains. It's just so beautiful. It's incredible, right? So, yeah, you go you go uh, snowboarding, and then you go play, like, softball or something, right? Yeah. Your- oh, yeah. Surfing and snowboarding in the same day is possible. Surfing and snowboarding. Okay, that's, that's amazing. So, you recently featured in your podcast, Lawyer Stories, three juggernaut attorneys. The first one was Ben Crump. And he was the attorney for the families of Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor. Second one was Alan Dershowitz, who represented Mike Tyson, O.J. Simpson, and President Trump in his impeachment trial. Yeah. Last one was Gloria Allred, who represented victims of R. Kelly, among many other high-profile cases. Yeah, that's really impressive. Where do you go from here? You're going to try to get a Supreme Court justice? I know, man, that's it's a good question. I ask myself often, like, what am I going to do after this? I've just been trying to make some content out of what we produced. It was a pleasure having those people on there on the show. It was really a thrill, like for me and kind of an honor, like with, uh, you know, Ben Crump, we we actually connected on social media like a couple of years ago. And then he kind of took this ascent, like he had some huge cases, very important cases in the US that we've all heard about. We all come home and see the news. We all read the news. And uh, he was just really nice. We finally got to connect and uh, do the podcast. And then, you know, Dershowitz is somebody that I think I stated on the episode, like 20 years ago, I read one of his books and it was like before I went to law school and it was like a little heavy, a little dense, but I still have the book, you know, and I went back and I sort of like, okay, what was this about? And uh, that was also really a big thrill for me to have speak to Alan Dershowitz about some constitutional law. And like, it's a light conversation. It's not anything that I'm not battling anybody on a position or I just want to get some general consensus, get some advice and that sort of thing. And then Gloria was, uh, she was super cool too. Uh, Very nice. I had her daughter, Lisa Bloom on my show a couple months before. So they, she connected me and she was very gracious to come on and spend some time with me. And as far as like where I go from here, a Supreme Court justice, that would be incredible. Um, You know, I have actually looked into it, but I think that's really hard to get somebody, you know, who's on the court on a show. And I mean, I I don't really know. I I, I think I don't want to say it was lucky because I like what we do. But, you know, it was I feel blessed to have had those people on the show to make some content with them. So we'll see. Uh, Any any recommendations, Ian? I do. So you could get uh, Justice Breyer. He's retiring. Breyer, and Tom yep. Brady. Brady's Tom, retiring too. 
Because I know yeah, you're. Okay. Well, I don't. So I don't know if you're rubbing that in right now, or if you are, <laughs> or if. It, but you know, I'm a pay, big Patriots fan. But it was like so cool to watch him play for Tampa Bay. So obviously, when the Pats got knocked out, I was rooting for uh, rooting for Brady. I have a T-shirt of like, an orange T-shirt with like um, the pirate and like Brady's face on it. So yeah, it would, that news just came down about an hour ago. So we're actually recording on a monumental day. I know. What would you guys do for one more season with Brady? The Patriots? Yeah. How? You know, I think it would be incredible. I, th- I hope he signs and, like, retires as a Patriot. Or No, I feel like he's always a Patriot. Like, it never truly feels like, even though he won a championship, he doesn't really truly feel like he's, like, a buck per se. But you know what? He deserved to go out and have fun and, like, do it his way, have some – I mean, I think the guys who were really hard workers around him but have some, you know, known talents on the field with him. And so I think that was – good for him. You know, like you worked really hard for 20 years, like go have some fun, man. And, and like enjoy the sun and toss that Lombardi in the water on a boat. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm a big 49ers fan and, uh, Oh, nice. You know, I still think Joe Montana is the greatest of all time, but yeah, no, you certainly can make, uh, an argument for Brady. Well, Hey man, I had a Montana Jersey. I still have like an old one that I've had for like 20 years. I mean, I liked them back, back in the day. I mean, they were popular, you know, when I was like growing up that I think Montana's fantastic. So I can't, you know, I don't disagree there, but you know, Brady, it was a different time. So yeah, everybody will always sort of go back and forth about it. Well, Brady's got the NorCal connection too. He grew up in uh, that's right. Northern California. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, good for you for having uh Dershowitz on. I think he got treated unfairly after the uh, representing Trump in the impeachment trial and he people did. forget, you know, that's, that's the whole point of our system. I mean, John Adams defended the the shooters in the Boston massacre. So right. everybody deserves a defense. So you have a very diverse and you, guest list and, and that's impressive. And what's interesting too, is there's a, uh, thank you. There, there's a Netflix about an hour and a half movie or what, what have you called um, seeing all red. I don't know if you saw it. It's really good. I watched it with my wife a few weeks ago before I had Gloria on the show like the weekend before and they showed Lisa Bloom, her daughter. I'd had her on the podcast. They showed Dershowitz on there. They questioned him. I had him on the podcast. So Dershowitz represented OJ. He was on the dream team, right? So Gloria actually was sort of in that case a little bit. She represented Nicole Brown Simpson and Dersh says like in a clip that it was very, it's very important for everybody to have representation. So he understands, like, as a lawyer, he's not partial. Like, he just sort of goes by the Constitution. You know, he wants everybody to have representation. And, yeah, he's dealt with um, even some social falling outs there. I think it's in Cape Cod where he has a home. So, you know, it's un- it's unfortunate, but he, he definitely sticks to his guns. And I was very uh, appreciative to, to talk to him, actually. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan of your podcast. My favorite one was definitely the Ben Crump one. I mean, oh, that really? guy yeah. is so impressive. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. His mother raised him. And the fact that he's risen so quickly is amazing. And he reminds me a lot of Martin Luther King Jr., actually. The you way know what? That's, it's so weird that you say that because I literally off the bat wanted to say, like, do you think like you might be sort of like the next like figure of like MLK. Like I really thought that, but I didn't know if that was like an appropriate thing to ask. And so I kind of just, and he, he did bring up Martin Luther King, but he, when I asked him who his 
who his role model was, who was somebody that he looked up to, it was Thurgood Marshall, which is also pretty amazing. But I, I do hear what you're saying. He's a, he's a great guy. He's really impressive. Well, he's so smart and so articulate, but you can yeah. see how well he does in front of juries because he can talk to people simply. You can understand him. He's got a good flow. He's got like the pastor vibe too. You know, you could tell he's very religious. Yeah. Yep, yep. That that was a, a really great interview, and uh, Thanks, that guy's one of my my heroes. He's an amazing That's awesome. guy. What he's, yeah, done. he's he's terrific. He is. So you're licensed in three different states. Did you have to take three different bar exams? No. So I I am licensed in Connecticut, Maine, and Massachusetts. I took the Connecticut bar exam, and then I moved to Massachusetts after practicing in Connecticut for a little about five years or more. Moved to Massachusetts. I ended up waving into Maine because that's my home state. I'm from Portland, Maine. I wanted to be in the Maine bar. So I waved in there and then I ended up uh, waving into Massachusetts. So I did admission by motion or admission on motion to get in there. You know, I did the full swearing in ceremonies. I went down to the, to the court or the clerk's office and did that. That was a highlight. Definitely part of my lawyer story, that whole thing. What does that mean, like waving into a state? Could you explain that to the listener? So when you wave in, it depends. Some states have reciprocity. And so what reciprocity is, some states say, and this is like fairly new, I'd say like the last 10 or 15 years, because Maine didn't have reciprocity for a while. The state of Florida doesn't have reciprocity where they won't recognize your bar license. They make you take the bar probably because they don't want people retiring down there and just doing wills and trusts and that sort of thing. But reciprocity is saying, okay, like you've practiced five years in Massachusetts, we're going to acknowledge that. And, you know, we, you have to still apply, go through your character of fitness, like the ethics, and you have to do the application. And then you sometimes, you, you know, you have to get like a couple of letters of recommendation, and then you can go in front of the court. An attorney says, I want to make a motion to admit um, Mr. Ian McFerrin to the board. I mean, to the bar, you know, of the state of Montana, because, you know, he's an attorney in good faith in California. He's practiced for six, six or seven years. And we think he'd be a good attorney uh, beneficial here in the state. So like they make a motion in front of a judge or whatnot. And the motion is granted. Usually it's just sort of like a procedural thing. And then you get admitted. So there's no basically short way of saying it. There's no, you don't have to take the bar exam oh, to get that. into the state. Yeah. Yeah, right. that'd be a nightmare taking three different bar exams. No, I, yeah, forget it. So you also maintain a private practice um, in addition to your podcasting. What type of practice are you in and why did you want to become a lawyer? So I actually don't have a private practice. I'm actually, I'm the executive director of the uh, North Central Mass Housing Authorities. So I work as a, uh, I work in an administrative quasi-government agency. I practiced law for about five years in Connecticut as landlord tenant. And then I did contracts and procurement for goods and services at the housing authority in New Haven. And then I moved on to Massachusetts where I had an opportunity to be an assistant director. And then I moved into executive director. So I've actually been doing housing authority things for like nine years, but, you know, I've thought about having a private practice myself on the side, but then I kind of launched lawyer stories and that takes up enough time as it is. It's, it's really, it's a busy side thing that is side community that's growing. And uh, so I, but I became a lawyer because I was very interested in the law. I was a legal studies major at UMass Amherst. I loved reading cases. I loved, um, you know, just like the, how the law was 
was written in the cases, the decisions, you know, trying to apply precedent. Uh, it was just super interesting, especially constitutional law and like 14th Amendment stuff really kind of got me going with that. I mean, that was hence why I read like a book from Alan Dershowitz and, and that sort of thing. So I, I took a year off after undergrad in law school and I thought, if I don't go back to law school, if I don't go like the year or a year or two years after, I'm never going to go. So I ended up just going a year after to law school. So how'd you get into podcasting? Yeah, that's a good question. That's not... doing it pre-COVID too, which is pretty rare. Yeah. So, you know, I had the whole lawyer stories that started on Instagram. And then I started a Facebook page for lawyer stories. And then we had our first networking event, our first and only in-person network event in Miami. This was, I think it was 2020 in January. And it was pre-COVID, right before COVID hit. And I was down there for my son's first birthday with my wife. And we said, I'm going to do this thing in Miami. Like I have a pretty good lawyer stories group down there. So we did that. And then, and then I'm like, you know, I need to start a podcast. I think I heard it from a couple people and, and I just, I was like, that could be interesting, you know, and the first couple, the first episode ended up being my sister sort of interviewing me about what lawyer stories is not on camera, not anything. And then the second and third podcast were really people that I knew. I asked them to come on. We didn't do video or anything like that. And then it's just kind of gone from there. I figured a way to put a package together for people and to get them out in like the social media community. You know, and now I have like this little room that I do my shows out of. And and honestly, Ian, like I freaking love it, man. Like it's it's like I didn't know for a while, like what, where it was going. And I still, I mean, I kind of have an idea now, but when I started podcasting and like when I started having people on my show and like when I just occasionally pour a drink of bourbon and ask people about their lives and let them talk, like there's just something about it that I just, I love doing it. Like I, so, you know, I'm just going to see, see where I could take it, see if I can get that big contract from Spotify or like Apple music or something. And, uh, so who would be your, your dream guest besides uh, Brady? Dream guest besides Brady. That's a good question. So actually like another non-lawyer that I could think of, because we've had a couple non-lawyers, but they're more in like the tech, like how to help lawyers with their SEO on there, which provides valuable information, I think, to the community. But I think it'd be cool to chat with uh, Gary V. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Like I, I really, I've been following him for a while. I'm not really in so much to like the NFT stuff yet, but that he talks about, but um just like he, he provided a lot of good motivational clips and a lot of motivation for people who, you know, aren't right out of college, people who are young and have a lot of time, people who are older and want to do something else. And I just think he has a lot of value and a lot of wisdom. And I think it would be awesome to get him on. Other than that, like, you know, there are some high profile lawyers that I think about, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't really know. Besides like Gary V, like there's a, I do have a list of people that I'm going to try to reach out to that, but a lot of people, you know, they're not responsive and they don't really, you know, they don't uh, maybe manage their own schedules, I guess. This is probably an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So which one was your favorite interview so far? You've done a lot. You can give a couple. Well, there was this guy named Ian McFerrin. That was the best uh, everybody one by should, far. <laughs> everybody should go check out that podcast. That was fantastic. We had a great time. My following on Instagram and Ben Crump's following on Instagram is a little different. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we could still work that out. But, you know, that was a great one. I definitely enjoy, uh, you know, I, it is sort of an unfair question. I mean, like, I, I, like, I like having 
something for me that's really fulfilling is like really just meeting people from everywhere. Like I love talking to just everybody. So like people are from all walks of lives. So, I mean, we had like international law professor, we've had some people who are in the public eye. So yeah, I, I don't really know how to, how to respond to that. Okay. Um, yeah. You have like a international reach now too. I, you know, it's really impressive to see like female attorneys in the Middle East too. Yeah. That are coming out and, and doing your podcasts and people in India, all over the world. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Yeah. No, it's it's been a trip, man. It's been a ride. It's been great. Thank you. So you've interviewed a lot of lawyers at this point. What do you think makes somebody a good lawyer? So I think what I've gotten is uh communication with clients. I think you got to communicate with your clients. If they uh, get in touch with you, you got to get back to them right away or as soon as you have an answer or tell them you'll get back to them. Cause I think you're dealing with a lot of, you're dealing with a lot of personal situations and the, and while it might be another case for you, some people, it's just their first case that they're going through. And so you really have to handle with care. So I think that really makes a good, good lawyer. So diligence and communication. I would have to say for that one. Yeah, that's a great point. I think communication is the most important thing. And email is kind of a blessing and a curse. You know, it is. you get that email Friday night at, you know, 530 from a client and you think about it all weekend. You're like, ah, but other times, you know, you, yeah. can, you can get back to people pretty quickly. So, yeah, but I think that's a good point. So would you advise your kids to get in the industry and be a lawyer or? That's a good question. I think you have to look for what strengths are in people. And I think like if, you know, if my kids are like very analytical, love to read, show a desire for the law, you know, like keep watching my, like they one day, like turn on YouTube if it's still available and like watch my podcast, you know, they see that the law is for them after sort of maybe they work at like a firm or they know somebody who's truly practicing law and and really want to do it. Yes, I would I would tell them to do that. If they're totally not into it and they want to do something completely different that's more their strength, I think that that is where you have to drive your your child like for for their strength and what's going to make them happy because you won't succeed with something if you're not happy. You know, so like you don't want to go to law school, hate practicing law and do that the rest of your life. I would only do it if that's something that I think like they, I would push them that way, not push them, but I would let them, I shouldn't even say let them, but I would encourage them to do it if it was something that they truly wanted to do. Other than that, like whatever their strengths are, I think you got to go with that and really work towards that. Cause it takes people sometimes a long time to find their strengths and like what they're good at. So that, how about you? What's your answer to that one? Yeah, you know, I think about that a lot. It's like, do you want to push a stressful occupation on your children? You know, because it is very stressful. First year of law school, especially, but it's also very rewarding. And I think that's a microcosm of life, right? But I think also in your situations, it's a little different, you know, because like you can truly be a mentor for someone in the law, like your, you know, your sons, if they're really interested, you bring them in. You know, you have them doing like some, uh, some like filing at first, and then you have them maybe doing some like printing and shredding, and then you have them writing like dra- a draft letter, you know, so you could be like a true mentor for them and take it really slow and like 
have them ask you questions, even if they need to ask those questions like four or five times, you know, like you can always be there, like walking them through. So like you, you have like a really significant opportunity. I don't think you should push anybody towards it, but I think that if, you know, it's take daddy, take son to work day, one day you bring them in, show them what daddy does. You know, he's, he likes it. Like you encourage him. Cause I think you have like a good situation there. And by the way, I see your, your 49ers helmet. I like it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Uh, the, the thing that's sad is the workers comp system has changed so drastically here in California pre 2013 before governor Brown ruined everything. You could get a hot tub for somebody with a back injury, you know, oh, really? yeah. You know, aqua therapy medications would get approved. Now I'm literally seeing denials for chiropractors, ibuprofen. There was uh, wait, what denial for ibuprofen? Yeah, what? It's, it's ridiculous. Isn't that over the counter? Well, yeah, but the whole point of the workers' comp system is if you get injured at work, you shouldn't have to pay for anything, right? So, okay, things, yeah, things have changed, and you know, you really become part therapist because you're dealing with people who their work is their whole identity, right? You know, like you're, I had a client last week who was a UPS driver for 30 years and now needs a back surgery and is not going to be able to go back to work, you know, for the rest of his life. And so wow, you know, it can be a stressful occupation, but again, it's, it's very rewarding. So yeah. Is it a contingency thing or is it, is it hourly? Yeah. That's my favorite part is I don't have to take money from people up front. Okay. I get 15% at the end of the case. What is it? 15? 15, one five. Yeah. Not 30, huh? Not like the no, not one. like those PI attorneys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also do social security disability, which is okay. These are a little different for that, but you know, that was an area I was actually interested in. Um, I have like a cousin in law who does that stuff in Chicago. And I was like, meaning like a cousin of my cousin who I also sort of know, but that actually seemed kind of interesting, like the administrative hearings and that sort of thing. But I don't know. I just never got into that sort of that stuff. Yeah. I really enjoy doing social security disability. The thing about workers comp is you can go to trial or hearing like 30 times on a case, like no joke, everything from mileage to medications getting denied to temporary disability, permanent disability benefits. The good thing about social security disability is you get one trial. It's kind of all or nothing. And then, uh, you know, it's over. So yeah, a little bit cleaner in that regard. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know you're a busy man and I won't take up too much more of your time, Ben. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Okay. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, man, for sure. So thanks for having me on. Keep up the good work, man, with the Lockdown Law podcast. Really glad we, we connected, you know, and like anything I could do to help, please let me know. Yeah, I'll continue to follow you. Lawyer stories on Instagram. And then Facebook, is it the same thing? I don't have a Facebook, so. Yeah, it's Lawyer Stories on Facebook. You'll find it. Yep. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Have a good one, man.